I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing movies two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies, bad movies, movies that we loved, and movies that we hated. This podcast is offered absolutely free and with no outside advertising. So if you like what you hear, please help us reach our goal of 10,000 listeners by subscribing to us on iTunes and writing us a review. You can find a link to do so at writeyourscreenplay.com slash podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about BoJack Horseman, but we're not just going to be talking about the series. We're going to be talking about one very particular episode and doing a really deep breakdown. Season four, episode nine, which is entitled Ruthie. A lot of the times when we talk about television, we talk about TV Bibles. We talk about the idea that every show needs to have an engine, a structure that's replicable. It can be done again and again and again. Here at the studio, we even have a class on TV Bible because it's become such an important part of the sales process that nowadays it's pretty much impossible to sell a series without one. But TV Bibles are also important because TV Bibles help us understand what the product is that we're pitching. Selling a series is like selling a franchise, like selling a McDonald's or a Starbucks. You're selling not just the brilliance of your writing or the brilliance of your idea. You're selling the replicability of it. You're selling the ability to do it again and again and again and again and again, even if the writing team changes, even if the showrunner changes, even if the directors or in this case, the animators change, that you have the same engine again and again and again. And so what's really exciting about this episode is that it shows what starts to happen once you really understand your engine, once you really understand the formula for your series. You can start to play within it, and then you can also start to play against it. You can start to open up new avenues of what your series can be, especially once you've established what it is for both your audience and for yourself as a writer. What's really interesting about this episode is that we don't start in the present. We start in the future. We start with Princess Caroline's great, 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 great granddaughter who's telling a story about her ancestor, Princess Caroline. Now, if you don't watch BoJack Horseman, let me catch you up a little bit about how this series works. BoJack Horseman is both the most ridiculous and the saddest series that you will ever watch on television. It's an animated send-up of Hollywood in a world in which some of the people are people and some of the people are part animal. And the animal people are basically just people except that they have certain animal traits. Pretty wild concept already for a series. And generally in this series, what happens is we watch BoJack Horseman, who is the ultimate narcissistic movie star, and we watch the funniest possible train wreck we could ever watch as BoJack consistently makes his own universe harder and harder and harder. Princess Caroline is BoJack's former lover and former agent. And Princess Caroline is a cat who is dating a mouse and her mouse is pretty much the perfect man. And all Princess Caroline has wanted for the whole season is just to get pregnant. And it's just not happening. Usually, we would watch Princess Caroline's story as a B story in an episode, but in this episode, Princess Caroline's story becomes the A story. 
Now, how do you get away with this? You're not supposed to just be able to reverse the whole structure of your series. You're not supposed to just change up what you've been doing, especially in a series as successful as BoJack. Why do they get away with this? What's interesting is they don't just get away with changing the focus. They also get away with changing the structure because we're actually going to the future. And we're going to start off watching Princess Caroline's great-great-great-granddaughter tell the story of Princess Caroline's awful, awful, awful day. So the A story is going to be Princess Caroline's journey. The B story is going to be Bojack's story. And the C story is going to be this unusual thread that starts in the future and then flashes back to our present. And what's really cool is this is something that the series has never done before. There have been times where we flash back to the past into Bojack's story or even into Bojack's mother's story. But there's never been a point where we flash from the future back to the present. So what's happening is the engine of the series, the rules of the series are actually getting complicated. We're starting to riff on the basic structure, which is that we're going to get to watch Bojack Horseman destroy his own life. And instead, we're going to flip it and we're going to focus on Princess Caroline and her terrible, terrible day as reported by her great, 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 great granddaughter. Why does it work? The real purpose of a Bible or of an engine is to make sure that the audience comes back and every time they get the same feeling, but also something different. So when an audience comes to watch a TV show, you want BoJack Horseman to feel like BoJack Horseman. You want it to feel like BoJack Horseman in every episode. You don't want one episode to feel like BoJack Horseman and another to feel like Curb Your Enthusiasm, even though both pieces are about similarly narcissistic Hollywood characters. You want the show to maintain its integrity. So here are the things that are consistent in the show. Every episode is going to be filled to the brim with puns. And of course, this episode is no different. It's pun on top of pun on top of pun. In every episode, we are going to watch a character who is loved by the people around them make all the wrong choices that end up destroying their own lives. And always, we're going to watch this happening in the funniest way possible, where we're going to be surprised when those tears end up hitting us. And what this episode does so brilliantly is that even though it completely changes the structure, focusing on Princess Caroline and reducing Bojack to a B story, creating a random C story. Usually the C story would be Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter. And those characters only make brief cameos in this episode. Even though all those things are happening differently, the end product does the same thing. And what's really amazing is how the end product does the same thing in a way that still feels funny. Jerry Perzigian, who teaches our TV comedy classes here at the studio, is an Emmy Award winner. He was the showrunner on Married with Children, The Golden Girls, The Jeffersons. He's a writer on Frasier. If it was a hit show in the 80s or 90s, Jerry was on it or he was running it. And he had a really interesting way of teaching. He actually runs his classes just like real writer's rooms, where basically on your day, you pitch your project to the class and everyone collaborates together on structure and engine and characters and jokes. But what's really interesting, the quote that I love the most from Jerry about writing television is this. First, you write it true, and then you make it funny. And I think this is such a powerful lesson for screenwriters and TV writers, which is that tone is something that you can control. And what's interesting about this episode, this episode is about Princess Caroline's terrible, awful, awful day. 
It is so freaking dark. This episode is about a woman whose only desire is to have a baby. And guess what? She's not going to have it. And this is about as dark a topic as you can handle. And this is a comedy. You're not supposed to be doing this. So how do they keep the tone from getting so dark that we would lose the fun and the laughter that brings us to a series like this? How are we supposed to laugh at Princess Caroline's miscarriage? Well, the magic is actually in that structural game they're playing by flashing into the future. Because the mere existence of this little girl from the future telling the story of her ancestor Let us know as an audience that it's okay to laugh, that it's okay to have some fun, that as awful and dark as all this stuff gets, it's still going to be okay at the end. In other words, that little opening sequence controls the tone of the piece. It allows the audience the permission that the audience needs to enjoy themselves. And this is the brilliance of BoJack Horseman. And we've seen BoJack Horseman play these kinds of games with us before. If you think about BoJack's experience with his dear friend in earlier seasons, BoJack is constantly walking the line between tragedy and comedy, between laughter and pathos. And it's walking it in the most ridiculous way because the writers of BoJack are geniuses with tone. And here's the important thing to remember about tone. And it goes back to Jerry Perzigian's quote. Tone you can control. You can allow anything to have any tone you want as long as there's truth underneath it. Tone is like the plate on which you serve your screenwriting or your TV writing. And simply by changing the plate or changing the arrangement, you can actually completely change the tone of any scene. A wiser man than me once said, comedy is just tragedy without empathy. But what Bojack actually does is somehow manage to create comedy that's both tragedy and empathy, that actually lets us feel and also lets us laugh at the same time. So first, what happens is they break their own rules, but they break their rules for a very specific reason, because they need that permission, because otherwise this thing is going to go off the rails into darkness. So first they write it true, and here's the story of Princess Caroline's very, 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 very dark day. And guess what? It's too dark. And this happens to us all the time in our writing. We write something and we're not controlling the tone. We are going off the rails. We're losing the genre of the piece. We're not watching The Crown here. We're watching BoJack Horseman. It has to feel like BoJack Horseman. But rather than just rejecting the idea, well, I guess Princess Caroline can have a miscarriage because that's too freaking dark and too freaking sad. Instead, what happens is we run towards it. We write the truth and then play around to create the tone that we need in the execution. So it's always okay to break the rules. It's okay to break the rules in your own writing. It's okay to break the rules in a series. It's okay to break the rules in a feature. It's okay to break the rules in a web series. We can always break the rules. Even in big Hollywood stuff, we can break the rules. But we need to be breaking the rules for a reason. If we're going to go up against our own rules, we want to break them for a reason. And we want to break them at a time where the audience understands enough to appreciate the break from the rules. To appreciate that this is not just a writer who doesn't know what they're doing, who sometimes is like this and sometimes it's like that. But rather to create a pattern 
and then to break it, to create that pattern and to break it, to create that pattern and to break it. Because each time you break it, what happens is you shake up the audience's expectations. You allow the audience to be surprised. So we go on this whole journey with Princess Caroline. And Princess Caroline, just like any character, is going to begin the episode with a strong want. And this is especially important in an episode where you want to make sure that the character doesn't just become a victim of circumstance, right? Where really bad crap is happening to this character. So you want to make sure that the character is driven, not in a reactive way, but by a strong want. And what's her strong want today? She has no idea that she's about to have a miscarriage. She wakes up at the top of the world, which is where you want your character, if, especially if you know that it's going to end really dark. If you know that this is the episode where you're going to knock your character off of their path, it's great to start them on their path. If you know that this is the episode where your character is going to find their path, it's great to start them off the path. In other words, you want to create the biggest possible journey between where the episode starts and where the episode ends, where the character starts and where the character ends. So we meet Princess Caroline and she's at the top of the world. It doesn't matter what's going on with her life. She is happy as hell because she's got the perfect man and she's going to have her baby. So she starts the episode with a really strong want, which is to get a new role for her client, Courtney Portnoy, who's going to be the subject not only of a ton of puns, but also of Princess Caroline's business machinations. She's got a crazy role for Courtney, and she's going to make sure that it happens. In order to do that, she has to confront Vanessa Gecko and Rutabaga Rabitowicz, her competition. Similarly, Ralph, her mouse boyfriend, is off with his strong want, which is that he needs to introduce a new campaign for his greeting card company. And he's got the obstacle of not having the right idea. So the episode starts off and both characters already have a want, and so both of them are launched into the action. And Princess Caroline is feeling great. In fact, her day is starting so strong that even Bojack Horseman can't knock her off her track. Because even though she's got some deals pending for him, she's pretty clear with him that she doesn't represent him. And she's not going to get sucked into his baloney. Even Vanessa Gecko, her arch rival, doesn't bother her. She's able to give her a nice dig and burn, feeling the confidence of being a newly pregnant woman on the way to get the role of a lifetime for her client. And then, of course, what happens is something that we call the inciting incident. The door to change gets open. So we start off on this strong trajectory towards a strong want, and then bang, what happens? The worst possible thing. Courtney fires her. She's now signing with the rival firm. The movie that Princess Caroline thought she was getting for Courtney doesn't even exist. The whole thing's a big joke. Luckily, Princess Caroline has the most amazing assistant in the world, Judah, the assistant that everyone wishes they had, the assistant who anticipates her every need and her every desire. And he coaches her right back up. He even suggests getting Bojack Horseman back in the pun intended stable. But Princess Caroline insists she's not getting dragged back into that baloney. Bojack is off the table. Instead, she places a call to Mr. Peanut Butter. New want. So the first thing fails, Courtney. She goes, no, no, Bojack. Don't worry, I've got it. I'm going to call Mr. Peanut Butter. But Peanut Butter is busy working with Woodchuck could chuck on his political campaign, so he's not interested in being in movies. So along the way back to work, she stops to get the clasp replaced on the necklace that she's always wearing. 
And from the future, we pop back to the sea story and we get the story of this necklace. This necklace is something that I call a marvelous and terrible object. It's an object imbued with power, with emotional meaning. And from the future, little great-great-great-great-granddaughter Ruthie tells us the story of this necklace that has passed down through the generations. The one thing that wasn't sold by Princess Caroline's struggling family. The thing that reminds her that she is always going to land on her feet, that she has a legacy behind her. And at the jeweler, bang, another moment that opens the door to change. She bumps into Charlie the Frog. And Charlie, if you remember, is a total bumbling idiot. And Charlie tells her he was surprised that she turned down his offer to buy her company. And that instead he bought the Utah Jazz. They make terrible agents, but they're learning, he tells her. And Princess Caroline is surprised because she never even heard of this offer. But Charlie insists that he spoke to some guy named Judo. Which launches another shred of doubt in Princess Caroline's mind. Is Judah, her perfect assistant, capable of deception? So she asks Judah, I just ran into Charlie Witherspoon. How does that make you feel? And Judah responds hilariously, this doesn't make me feel anything, but that's not a reflection of who you are as a storyteller. He's always trying to make her feel good. And he just seems so unconcerned about it that Princess Caroline kind of lets it go. And after all, she does have a doctor's appointment that she's late for, which she totally forgot, because this doctor's appointment is the least concerning thing in her mind right now, because things are going great and she's pregnant. And of course, at the doctor's appointment, this is when, bang, the next bomb drops. You can see what we're doing. We're slowly chipping away at her perfect day. We're just slowly chipping away at her confidence. So she's at the doctor's office and the doctor, who's a rhinoceros, reports, sometimes you fly an airplane and sometimes you lose the baby. And she's like, what? And this is another really incredible piece of writing because what they do is they allow the doctor to say all the things that Princess Caroline is feeling on the inside. He, of course, is the worst doctor in the world, which is fabulous for the comedy. But all of his, the humor around him, grows out of the darkness that's already inside of Princess Caroline. She asks him, why does this happen? And he says, don't don't beat yourself up. Maybe you wanted it too much. Maybe you didn't deserve it. She asks, he, he tortures her with all the questions that she's torturing herself with. And of course, because it's a doctor saying it, it's hilarious. Whereas if she was saying it on the inside, it would be tragedy. And even now, Princess Carolyn tries to hold it together. She is going to land on her feet. So she continues through her day, goes back to that jewelry store to pick up that necklace, that thing that reminds her that she always lands on her feet. And what does she find out? It's costume jewelry bought in 1963. Someone just told you a story, the jeweler tells her. And in the car after that moment, that's the moment that she cries And that's the moment she cries because that's the moment that she's starting to question her own story. See, it's not just her belief in her ability to have a baby that's being questioned. It's her belief in the stories that she's telling herself about her life. The stories that she's telling herself about Judah. The stories that she's telling herself about her clients. The stories she's telling herself about Bojack. The stories she's telling herself about Ralph. And that's why when Ralph calls her, she doesn't tell him the truth. She lies that her appointment got pushed back and that she's just heading in right now. And Ralph, being a perfect supportive boyfriend, tells her, it's so easy with you. That's why I love you. And it's the loveliest possible thing to say, but it's going to be the line that's going to end up hurting later. 
And it's going to be the line that keeps her from telling him the truth because she wants to stay easy because she wants his love. So she's telling herself a story now about he only loves me because I'm easy. She's telling herself a story that if he knew about the baby, that he might not love her anymore. So back in her office, Judah comes in and is surprised to find her drinking. And a little bit tipsy, she confronts him about lying. Judah insists that he was trying to protect her, that he knew if she talked to the frog that she would feel obligated to sell. And he felt that if he protected her and gave her time, she'd make her own decision, which she did. But because her story about Judah has shifted, she fires her perfect assistant. And this is the second truly tragic decision she's made. So on the first half of this episode, everything is moving towards holding on, landing on your feet. In the second half of the episode, everything is moving towards pushing the people you love away. And she's taking the first step with Ralph, and now she's taking the second step with Judah. But even this moment is played for fun. After one moment of devastation at being wrongfully fired, Judah hops right back into his perfect assistant character. Thanks for my time here. I enjoyed it, except for this moment. Don't forget you have reservations at eight. And we get a little chuckle, again, playing with tone, even in the darkness. To play with it even more, we flash back to the sea story. And in this story, Ruthie is being challenged by her teacher that the story is getting really dark. Just like that little voice in our own head, sometimes as writers go, whoa, 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 what are you doing? This story is getting really dark. Just as that own internal sensor says, whoa, 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 this is not how you're supposed to build the story. But Ruthie reminds us It has a happy ending, I promise. And that lets us take a little breath and remember, yeah, it's all going to be okay. We know it's going to be okay because Ruthie's there. And Ruthie means that it's okay to laugh. And as a good storyteller, Ruthie breaks the rules of her teacher and flops back into the unauthorized B story where we catch up with Bojack, who has been working throughout this episode with Diana to try to get Holly Hawk his potential daughter's birth certificate by using his celebrity. And again, in an ironic twist, it's Diana's celebrity as a blogger that ends up getting him access rather than his own celebrity, which is driving Bojack crazy. And we catch up with him and he's having a total meltdown with the clerk because he's starting to feel like his celebrity is no good anymore. It's not useful. Meanwhile, we catch up with Princess Caroline and she's having dinner with Ralph. And using that engine of pun, 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 as she's having dinner, one actress as another, after another comes in and each name is put together as a pun for Miss Carrie. Miss Carrie Underwood. Miss Carrie, last name, Mariah. So again, playing in a hilarious, pun-filled way to get under Princess Caroline's skin. And Princess Caroline is trying to hold on to Ralph's perfect reality, even as hers is getting attacked and attacked and attacked. Once again, using the same method of other characters saying the thing that's in her head. She ends up leaving Ralph at dinner, and she doesn't go back to their home. Instead, she goes to her old apartment, which she's keeping secretly where Todd makes a little cameo appearance working with his crazy dentist clowns, which you may remember if you've been watching this season. And she decides just to have a nightcap and go to bed. But seven nightcaps later, she's hammered out of her mind, realizes she's lost her necklace. And Ralph shows up at the door just at this worst moment. And he tries to do all the right things. He tries to support her. He tries to help her navigate the problem. He tries to help her think about exploring some other options. 
even as he has to navigate his own problems with being lied to, not knowing about the apartment, not knowing that she's had five miscarriages. And at the end of the scene, having been told one more time that they should think about other options, she says, how about this for another option? And breaks up with him, tells him to save it for the one who's easy, and then returns to her bedroom where she finds that necklace and clips it onto her neck with a paperclip. And at that moment, we feel Princess Caroline trying to hold on to that past, even knowing it's not real. And that's when she gets a call from her old friend, Bojack, who starts off by telling her he doesn't want to do any of the offers he's been given, still treating her like his agent, realizes that he said something wrong, asks her how her day was, and before she can even answer, tells her about his terrible, awful day. And we realize this woman really has nobody. And this is the real kicker, and this is the moment where we cry. At the end of that scene, Princess Caroline says, you know what I do when I'm feeling down, when I've had a terrible day? I imagine my great, great, great granddaughter. And she sees her in all that confidence, telling the story, and then she knows it's going to be okay. Because otherwise, how could she have told the story? And Bojack says, but it's fake. And Princess Caroline says, well, it makes me feel better. And this is about as devastating of a line as you'll ever see in a comedy or a drama. Because we realize we're right there with her. That we've been telling ourselves a fake story, that it's going to be okay for her. That we've believed that story that she's telling herself. And what's so beautiful about this is that that flashback, even though it breaks the rules, actually locks us into the story of the character. That that flashback doesn't exist just for the audience. It exists for her. And that structurally, we're forced to confront our helplessness in the face of fate at the same moment that she has to confront it. So we've learned a lot today about engine, about tone, about how to break the rules. But I want to end on one last really important idea, which is that we are storytellers. And this is an episode about storytelling. And we have a tremendous power and a tremendous responsibility as storytellers. We have a tremendous power to tell the stories that we believe in. We have a tremendous power to actually shape the way our audiences tell themselves the stories of their lives. And just like Princess Caroline, by simply shifting the story, we can change the tone. We can change the feeling. And we can also change our lives. We can transform those moments that feel like pain into moments where we can laugh at ourselves, into moments where we can rediscover our hope into moments that can shape both the way that we and our audiences look at the world. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Again, we make this podcast available totally free and with no outside advertising. So if it was helpful for you, please help us reach our goal of 10,000 listeners by subscribing to us on iTunes and writing us a review. It really does make a big difference in keeping this podcast free for everyone. You can find a link to do so at writeyourscreenplay.com slash podcast. For a complete transcript of this podcast or to learn more about studying with me or my faculty in New York City, live online on one of our international retreats or as part of our one-on-one ProTrack mentorship program, you can learn more on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. Mm-hmm.